Good morning, sir. Good morning, Mark. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad to hear it. Our uh, traditional sign-on, good morning. Good morning, yeah. For those that are not on a morning time, it's still pleasant to hear good morning, isn't it? It's just yeah. like a nice, cheery, happy... Yeah. You know, I think we should always say good morning. It's a good way to greet someone. It is. In the midst of a conversation, to the point of saying, how are you? Yeah. Yeah. But it's a little more cheery and a little less expectant. And it's even raining this morning. It is raining, but you know what? Still a good morning. Yeah, it is. I have the window open. Hopefully they can't hear that. Uh, well, a few birds like won't it. hurt. A few birds won't hurt. Uh, birds sneak into a lot of episodes. They That's have a right. lot to say. It's all about... Uh, if you could decode what they're saying, it's likely it's more intelligent than <laughs> <laughs> what, yes, what I'm saying. <laughs> I won't speak for Mark. It's all, think, it's all about location. Yeah, like real estate. Location, location, location. And we just happen to be located near some birds. Some birds. Yeah. Right. And birds happen to be located near us. So, yeah. That's it's good. It That's is good. good. Welcome to How I See It with me, Mark Pratt, and Justin Sternberg. This is a podcast that works to counter cultural polarization through thoughtful conversations. We like birds. We like rain. Yeah. And we like the morning. Thus, we are here. (laughs) Not too many people want to be here with us at 6.15 in the morning, but... Although we haven't had anyone turn us down. Not... Well, we have adjusted times. Yes. For people. Don't tell people that. Well, that's true. This is when we do. <laughs> this is when a podcast needs to be recorded. That's right. No. This this that's right. Thus let it be written. Thus let it be done. Is it? How's that go? This is just what works good for us. Yeah. Yeah. And so it shall be. So good morning. Yes, and you as well. It's a good you. morning to talk about some political subjects. Ooh, I'm all for political subjects. Mm-hmm. What'd you have in mind? Mm. Well, one of the topics we discussed discussing. Discussed, discussed, <laughs> pre-discussed. Pre-discussed the, the discussion of discussing it is uh, gun control. Ah, uh, yes. I thought that would be a great one to talk about because um, I think I've shot a gun a couple, mm. twice in my life. Two different occurrences. One in really? the last two months. So. <laughs> wow. If I may ask. Yeah. And I realize for me, I... Because I realize shooting can be, you know, guns can be a personal thing. It's mm-hmm. not that yeah. everybody wants to admit or share, you know, along that line. And I respect that privacy. But what did you shoot, if I may ask? Um, it was As some fun. handgun. Okay. I don't remember what it was. And you just were basically shooting and targets? Can. Blinking? And yeah. Can. Wonderful. Yeah. I hit it. So. Nice job. Now, I, I, don't so, ask how close I was. Well, I want to know how it felt to hit the can. It was cool. Yeah, but it's you know I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't score it as high as like a nice throw in frisbee to someone in the end zone. Sure, that's much better. Sure, uh, but I'm I'm curious because I, from my perspective, I have been that person who has introduced a number of people oh, to, to, to shooting, shooting sports, cool. I'll call it. And, uh, and I think I've, I've watched or perceived what was initially a fear mm-hmm. of guns to I've watched that transition from a fear of guns you know, to a an enjoyment of shooting, mm-hmm. the ability to say, "Oh, well, this is kind of fun," you yeah. know, and there's a sense of accomplishment, you know, and and that's and that's where I think that's where so much of my perspective comes mm-hmm. from. Yeah. So should I go? Should we dive right in? Of course. Why right. not? Why is that fun worth all? The pain and agony and mm. sadness and destruction and death and <laughs> right that comes with what at least what we read right what we hear what we see mm. that comes with guns right um, school shootings and yeah. you know mass shootings and you know 
murder suicides and I mean, you know, he, yeah, we, you we can go on and on and on and on and on. So, and I appreciate that question. I'm going right to the polarizing you, you, thing of saying, um, because I I don't really I think part of my thing here is like I'm very in unindoctrinated <laughs> as okay. to uh, the enjoyment of guns and sure. the whole culture. Sure, but I'm also not anti-guns. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty neutral. But this is one a very 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 polarizing topic for it so is. many reasons. So that I hit you with the hardest question, right? Well, away. that's okay. But, yeah. I'm good with that. It's and a good morning. I mean, so. Yeah, it is still a good morning. And I'm thinking I I like your use of the word indoctrination. Um, because I'll I'll I'm honestly reflecting on that. Am I a person who has been indoctrinated or has my experience been very much positive and I've grown up with um, mentors, if you will, who hunted, who shot for, who, who hunt, hunted and, and, and did, you know, shooting sports in such a way that made it appealing for me. Hmm. And and I think, you know, and I, I'm not skipping the part, you know, that goes further on, but I'm able to recognize too, I mean, and my, I'll just tell you the long story short, my Sunday school teacher growing up, you know, go, was, was a Marine who hmm. was a riflesmith for 60 years, hmm. still is. That's cool. You know, so for me and, you know, and we've had that discussion, you know, around gun control, it's like he's been working with guns for 60 years and no gun has ever he's never been injured. You know, he's never he hasn't died. He hasn't been mortally wounded. He hasn't been shot, you know, by a gun in his shop. You follow me, and I and I guess that's where my background comes from. And granted, I grew up hunting with my grandfather, my father, you know, those kind of things. So um, that's where I'm coming from. If you want to call that an indoctrination, <laughs> uh, you're welcome to. I wasn't attacking you, Mark. No, but I I, I like the use of that word. <laughs> But I think in some cases that is a part of the polarizing dynamic when yes. we're not able to recognize where someone comes from. Right. And I want to recognize, yes, um, I grew up in rural America. You know, I didn't grow up in inner city where, you know, the, their view I'm, and here again, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but a person in my era who grew up inner city is going to have a far different view of guns than I do. Yeah. And that they're likely depending to have a view that is a little more fear based, fear -based or in, even incensed. seeing... Even seeing the hurt that people inflict with guns. Yeah. You follow me? And, yeah. I, and I think that's a very, from my perspective, that becomes very clear that, you know, hmm. when I hear gun control, you know, that's, that's what I, I have to recognize. Someone, when I hear that phrase, I recognize someone has been hurt. Someone has been murdered. Somebody has been, you know, maimed to some degree. And my heart goes out for those individuals. My heart goes out for law enforcement, you know, in that process who, you know, people who are working hard to protect people. And I think for me, that also comes back to a a second amendment right that I have to protect myself. You know, the right to keep and bear arms is, is, is fundamental to me from a American standpoint. Mm -hmm. And that's where I, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's my view and that's how I see things. And I, you know, 
uh, I recognize, you know, we can talk death rates and percentages, you know, for that kind of thing. But for me, it is more about that right that I have, and I will bring it back to guns being very similar to any other amoral thing. I mean, let's be honest, we just spoke about money. We've, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't think we've talked about sex directly as a topic. Right. But, you know, what was meant, I guess, I guess that's where I come. All of those things have a tremendous ability to hurt people in the wrong hands. Money has that ability. Sex has that ability. You follow me to be able to, and granted, Money, we could probably argue, has as high a rate. Sex trafficking, if we want to go to these mm-hmm. extremes, we can look at, you know, people hurt. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think about it, it is when, uh, when you think about it like that, there's um, just off the top of my, not off the top of my head, but thinking about it a little bit. There's about 15, in North Carolina, there's about 15, no, around 1,600 fatalities per 100,000 people with guns. Okay, homicides goes to like 8.6. So, you know, and that 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 makes me sad because I recognize some of those fatalities are when I even hear of it, you know, people who were hunting together mm. and someone did something unsafe. And now they have to share that for it would be like a like a teenage driver who, you know, is behind and they they accidentally kill someone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I just feel for those people Mm -hmm. because they have to carry that the rest of their life. And, you know, I mean, even I just I can just remember, you know, kids that I grew up with in high school, you know, accidental deaths. And so, you know, I, I think of that. And uh, and it was interesting just thinking about it that the um, divorce rate is like two point eight per thousand versus um, homicide rate eight point six per hundred thousand. You follow me? And I think about that hurt that goes along with divorce. Now, granted, nobody's being murdered in a divorce. But I still think of it as a in most rate. divorces. <laughs> yes, yes. I suppose some uh, do end up in the, 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 there's a, there's a crossover there. Right. Un, there's unfortunate. a Venn diagram where there's yes. some crossover between guns and divorce and death. homicide <laughs> and divorce. Yes. yes, there's a part where and 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 I feel that's you know and I recognize that's not my experience, and so I don't minimize it, but I. Uh, for me, it comes back to there being a sin issue. And so, yes, I'm not for... There's um, another statistic. 30 people, there's um, uh, drug use, drug overdose, is a higher rate per 100,000. It's 30 people per 100,000 that will die from a drug overdose. You follow me, and and I reckon. And here again, I'm putting these out here because I'm. I want to create a comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, car rates would be like fifteen hundred. So I mean, they're pretty. Um, not not necessarily similar. Gun rates are going to be higher. Well, as a total, not homicides, but and that's where I'm at. And I don't want to make that seem like I'm blaming anyone, because I do believe you know. And there's 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 a number of laws already on the books you know there's there's uh, different organizations um that we can turn to state law ordinances every state is different in its gun control law north carolina has like 61 pages of what you can do and what you can't do in a state ordinance document you know and every state has their own so i think about it's it's not necessarily that laws aren't there Hmm. and yet is there any law about shooting people (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes. Because I feel like a lot of people disobey that one. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and and unfortunately, you know, we can, um, it, for me, we can't, I, even biblically, there was a reason that Jesus came and the laws, because the laws were insufficient. Troy shared it a couple of times. You know, we can't legislate morality. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think for me, unfortunately, that's where a lot of this comes from, because I recognize that we don't have, from my perspective, it's a sin problem, mm-hmm. not a gun problem. Yeah. And, and and so that, that's kind of how I look at it. And there's... All right. Well, my turn, Mark. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> Question or an answer? No, I got a lot of thoughts. Okay. I go wrote, for it. wrote them down. So. Oh, wow. I was giving me lots of lines. Yeah. Like the fishing lines. So That's fair enough. But my line's running out. You're ready to hook me, aren't yeah, you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys ready? We're going to hook Mark. Yeah, um, go for it. No, the, the first thing that stood out to me in your conversation was the cultural difference. So yeah. it, that's what you were describing is that your culture embraced guns and the enjoyment of them and what it represented in terms of um, camaraderie. Sure. Right? And so, you know, obviously that isn't, that isn't given in a pros cons list very often, but it people totally, I think, underestimate the value of that and the cultures that embrace guns and shooting oh, sure. and hunting and that whole culture. And I, uh, I love hearing about my friends' exploits when they go hunting and all these things, and sure. shooting together and just the enjoyment they have shooting together. So it's it's awesome. It's it's yeah. one of those things that I see I see as culturally being a really cool thing in a certain culture that I have not yeah. quite again been indoctrinated to that culture. Sure. That 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 term I you said is it indoctrination or is it um I forget the other phrase, but I think it's probably both, right? It's a little bit yeah. of both, a little bit of um um But it is interesting I wanna come back um if if I'm not going too far on my line <laughs> You're good. Um I gave you a little more. It's interesting <laughs> when I think of my culture Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned you in your question, you asked about school shootings and I'm not meaning to be lewd or, or, um, make light of us of school shootings, but there was school shootings long before Sandy Hook. Okay. I, if I may say so in a loose terminology, um, partook of school shooting. And what I'm going to say is going to, I'm going to clarify that and I'm not making light of it, but when I grew up part of this, this era, this, uh, we actually took our guns to school. We were able to take our guns on the bus and I was part of a club, a sportsman's club. And we would leave the school at lunchtime to go shoot as a group at school. So it, my kids you know, just, it's like, no, no, you're lying. Not, not, I mean, they believe me, but, you know, to hear someone say, you know, we were able to take our guns to school and shoot at the school, basically, or, you know, just off the grounds, that just seems so foreign. But I think, you know, it's, it's just a difference. And here again, looking at the spectrum, you know, I realize there are actual real school shootings where people die. Sandy Hook, I think, was a bigger one because that was where, you know, young kids were affected. And I think that's where a lot of our SRO type stuff that we, you know, have today, you know, officers in school. I think that was a turning point, Mm -hmm. you know, when it came to schools and school shootings, you know, to have an a person Mm -hmm. go into an elementary school. And I... And here again, I'm not minimizing the harm that guns can have, but I also think there's there from my personal opinion, I also think we have a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, so that's that's part of the conversation, which is <laughs> well we're, we're yeah. I'm not I'm not meaning to no divide okay. off here. So good. I think let me write this down. <laughs> 
Have we switched roles? I just, I'm just wondering. <laughs> Normally, I feel like I'm the interviewing person, and now I feel like we switched roles. That, but this I'm, is good. This I'm is okay definitely with a, again a subject that you're you're passionate about due to cultural. Yes, where I am very much on the neutral point. Although I will say I'm not. I'm. Le- I'm I would say I'm even when it comes to the school shootings. I get uh-huh. just yeah. Like, I can feel the heat on the back of my neck just yep. thinking about it. Because I naturally insert my children's face into that picture sure. and go, I don't care what your argument is, Mark. Yep. I don't want my child dead. Yep. Right? And Agreed. So, and I think... Any, and, and that's why I wanted to clarify. Yeah. I'm not making light of school shootings. Right. At, at I, I'm not implying you inference. are. I guess I'm just, I just saying that is one, the one area where... I'm less neutral. It's like, sure. Let's let's figure this out. Sure. In a sense, because to me, every time another school shooting, you know, there's mass shootings yep. in. Yeah, we we can talk about. There's so much to talk about, but um, but when it comes to school shootings, I'm like, okay, come on, guys, we got to figure this out. You know yeah. what I mean? And um, but at the same time, <laughs> another political tough subject, right? Uh-huh. Is abortion, uh-huh. and arguably, hmm. you know, more children are. Uh, you know, dead as a result of that law. Sure. Than the lack of shooting, you know, gun laws or whatever. No, I and I, along that line, I believe in in that our our appreciation or valuing of life has diminished as well across the board. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Even to the degree where suicide is at astronomical right now rates because the same reason. Sure. You know, my life's not worth it. Your life's not yes. worth it. What's the point? That kind of thing. And that, and I think that's where in a polarizing topic, if I am, I'll, I'll, I'll say pro-gun, you know, it, it, in that whole pro-anti, you know, I'm going to say healthy gun perspective, you know, we can, I think people who have a healthy gun perspective can be lumped into yeah. that aspect where you don't care about people, you know, being killed and harmed and hurt. No, that's not true. Because I think you can have that Mm-hmm. care for people that that valuing of life to be able to recognize okay yes this is a format but something else is going on here yeah and there's been a tremendous devaluing of the importance of life i think that's that's the key though right is that there is uh kind of this intersection of problems sure in culture right now uh in in so basically we're at in a lot of cases our worst uh mental health state in a mm. lot of cases sure and also have access to guns in a way that's maybe too loose right maybe this is this is the discussion sure that it's intersection okay. yeah is a problem and yeah. that's what needs to be addressed when the talking points are brought up, well, people are the problem in mental health. Yeah. It's like, yes, but I can't go into that person's house and work on their mental health. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I can't. Right. I also think about, um, you know, you said, you know, you grew up going to a shooting club um, at school, uh-huh. which I think, you know, part of the problem is that we don't have those anymore. No, I so hear So maybe you. that would help, but... Besides that point, we mm-hmm. also now have seatbelts. Sure. Where maybe at that same time when you were going to a shooting club or what's yep. different, you also didn't have seatbelts in yep. your vehicle, I grew right? up without seatbelts. Yeah. Right? Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. that, Makes perfect sense. So as we progress and we realize what harms people in ways that we can save lives, mm-hmm. things adjust, right? Yep. And I think there's almost nobody would argue seatbelts are a bad thing. Right. Nobody would argue that they are bad. I said almost I nobody would yeah, argue that they're, that they're a bad thing. Now, yeah. some people don't like mm-hmm. them. They restrict their freedom, so they won't wear them or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, that whole thing. But sure. almost nobody would argue that they're a bad thing, and the stats show that they've helped. I think that's where mm-hmm. um, the common mm-hmm. sense thing comes in. You sure. know, you've heard that term, common sense gun laws, right? 
I don't necessarily know what all the parameters of that, but the way I hear that is, mm -hmm. let's just make it a little bit harder to get a gun. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure that if you have some mental stability issues, mm -hmm. it's really hard for you to get, uh, get a gun to the degree where you might have to go illegal to, to do it, mm -hmm. which can happen. I'm mm -hmm. not, of course, we're not ruling that out. Right. We no, know the laws aren't perfect. Yep. We know people will, bad yep. people will do bad things, right? But if it's a, just a little bit harder for me to make a rash mental health decision, mm -hmm. you know, I guarantee you 99.9% .9 of a, a shooter's life, they would never make that decision to do that. Well, I shouldn't say I guarantee it. Okay. I feel strongly that the a lot of these events are a result of um, an extreme mental health event in their life, sure. if that makes sense. Basically, the crossing of two lines. Right. And... A gun in the wrong hands. Yep. Where if that, that gun wasn't in the wrong hands because mm -hmm. they didn't have it, maybe they you know, do something healthy. I don't mm -hmm. know, drive off into the sunset and just mm -hmm. wait a while. Or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what the alternatives yeah. are. Um, but I do know the mass shootings continue to expand... <laughs> The other part about this, mm -hmm. which I'm fully aware of, which we mm -hmm. talked about in the politics episode, is publicity. So sure. we know that this is a hot-button topic, and so we know every news outlet is going to mm -hmm. latch onto it mm -hmm. because it's a moneymaker. Sure. So that, I think we ha that has to be said. That has to be accounted for. You know, there were probably school shootings in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. How many, I don't know. Did they track it the same way? I don't know. But what I know now is there is another intersection of events, which is we really like to talk about shootings. Mm -hmm. And as a result, maybe as a result, the correlation is not causation. We don't know I that. Gotcha. There's also more shootings. Sure. Are we also to blame for talking so much about it and glorifying, mm -hmm. in a sense, these mm -hmm. shooters? Mm -hmm. And not only glorifying, but also giving, putting seeds of thought you know, and, mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, that's an option, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah, that being and said, it, because it can almost become, well, that person got so many people. Wait, is, what? Is, is that what you're saying to it? it all Not necessarily, because, again, I don't think that most shooters are mm -hmm. sitting around thinking about how can I hurt the most people mm -hmm. at my next opportunity. Mm -hmm. My thought is more an extreme mental health event happened mm -hmm. and they had no outlet mm -hmm. and that was the outlet they chose They're like i need this pain to get out of me mm -hmm. right right i don't know or, or this anger this hate mm -hmm. right sure um that's boiled up we have um, anger issues yeah mm -hmm. that that's kind of more what i'm saying than like no, they're listening enough. going "Ooh, that's one way i could kill a lot of people i mm -hmm. don't think that's it's not like uh those villains in cartoons you know yeah but I think I think there is, and I, I think we can identify to a certain degree a shared pattern that individuals who do mass shootings, whether it's outside of schools or inside of schools, tend to have an isolated perspective on the world. And I and and I'm agreeing with yours. It's like that same person who, if they were able to have positive influences or like myself i'm not saying i'm but that camaraderie might never have even thought about right. going to that that route if you will yeah that wouldn't have necessarily been an option yeah. i there's a lot of shows movies tv mm -hmm. shows documentaries mm -hmm. discussing some of those outlier type people right like sure. um you know serial killers stuff sure like that. And one thing that seems to be common in my understanding of those shows and mm -hmm. in, in, in my consumption of them is that they haven't really cracked that nut yet. Does no. that make sense? It's, yeah. it's not like there's this common thing nope. that they can point to. They're almost always like the story, it, the drama is, well, he seemed to be nice. He seemed to da 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 da, mm -hmm. right? Um, it, it, it never quite lines up. Sometimes they're like, oh, yeah, that guy was a creeper before or whatever. Mm -hmm. But we know lots of creepers who aren't killing people. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> At least I assume. Yeah. Uh, uh, the point is, we haven't really cracked the nut as to what triggers yes. people to become this way or to, to persist in this way. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the hard part about, you know, 
I don't know. I lost my thought. That's the hard part <laughs> about that? being able to protect each and every person all the time. Yeah. And I, because I, I, in some ways, um, I forget. And this is this was my part of your media dynamic came to mind. Um, probably about a year and a half ago, maybe two years now, COVID type time frame. I remember there happened to be a day where I want to say Texas had a shooting and maybe Ohio had a shooting at the same time, just different, you know, from that media standpoint. Hmm. And I remember seeing the people headline kind of walking through the, you know, the magazine, you know, checkout aisle type stuff. And the question was, when is it going to stop? Hmm. And I remember just kind of thinking about that and being able to say, hmm, I'm not sure it can. Hmm. So to be able to think that it could in some ways, from my perspective, is naive. If we're not going to factor a, 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 a sin component into this. Hmm. You know, because if I, if man, okay, in who we are, can stop this, then we're something different than we really are, from my perspective. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I don't think we have the ability. Now, does that so, mean I'm not for safer, safer, you know, or you know, background checks? No, I'm all, I'm okay mm-hmm. with background checks. I'm mm-hmm. all good with background checks. Mm-hmm. I believe all firearms should be purchased legally mm-hmm. and you know, registered as necessary according to the laws of mm-hmm. that state. You know, so it's not. I'm definitely not a person who's saying, well, it doesn't matter how people get guns or, you know, and granted, I'm from my perspective. Okay. I think as long as a person's following, you know, the guidelines outlined, you know, outlined by the state, then, you know, that's what you can do. And, and the mental health, bringing it back to that. Yes. Um, um, I am a proponent of, you know, a person who has, is it, I can't go so far as to say a person who has certain mental health issues should not be able to protect themselves. Hmm. Okay. Um, I believe what it, it, it needs to be specific. And I think it's, it's difficult for law enforcement to be able to handle each one of these circumstances on a case by case basis. Yeah. It's impossible, I would dare yeah. say. And yet I'm with you in that context. I would rather err on the side of a person who has serious mental health issues not being able to have access. And and you know, I'm just thinking about it in my context. I have, you know, worked with people who have been, you know, on the verge of suicidal and worked with people to be able to say, okay, we need to move your guns someplace else. If you have them, you know, that's, this isn't the time for you to be able to have guns in your home. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've had those discussions Mm -hmm. with people, you know, routinely and, you know, and, and granted, I've never, you know, had the other part where a person is saying, I'm going to, you know, hurt someone. I've never experienced that in my office, but I've experienced the other side where, you know, people are at at risk, shall I say, for, you know, suicide. And it's like, yeah, we've had these discussions before, you know, and so... That's as as a mental health professional. Yeah. That's that's how I see it. Yeah, yeah. It's a g- important and uh, good perspective to bring to the table, right? Like in terms of the mental health aspect. Um, yeah. The the other thing you mentioned, um, I was just thinking about when, I, you know, culturally, like shooting together, that was mm-hmm. a big thing, um, but also. You, you know, talking about the gun club when you were growing up, mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. how the, the laws have 
changed a little bit in various areas. I was thinking about, I think it's like India or uh, a country close to India. Okay. Or maybe it's several countries where um, they'll <laughs> they'll pack a whole family on a motorcycle, right? Mm-hmm. Have you seen these pictures? Mm-hmm. Sure. It's amazing what yeah. they do with yeah. motorcycles, right? Yeah. And they basically make a clown car out of a motorcycle. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It is incredible. Like, I am in awe of what they can accomplish with motorcycles. I hear you. Um, we wouldn't necessarily advocate for that or say, because culturally it's acceptable there, we uh-huh. should loosen our laws to then allow for those cultural, mm. you know, norms, right? Sure. Um, because I I don't know the numbers. I haven't looked it up. I'm guessing they have more fatalities on motorcycles. Than, sure. Than the average, I, that would be my guess. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're like Maybe super not. amazing. But still, I, it, right? I, I, I'm hearing where you're coming yeah. from. Yeah. But we wouldn't necessarily look at that and go, well, culturally, it's acceptable and part of the norm and, and whatever, mm-hmm. so we should allow for it. So I think that was just my like thought in terms of, well, culture mm-hmm. is a, an important part. It is. What I would say is the culture, the most important thing about the culture uh, perspective is in these conversations, in the mm-hmm. how I see it, in these polarizing discussions to recognize like that family of five on a motorcycle, they're not idiots for doing that. No. Where if you saw that in America, you would judge them harshly, right? Mm. Right? Sure. Does that make sense? So I think yeah. a little room for perspective mm-hmm. on the, you know, no guns or extreme gun control side to say, culturally, there's something happening here that we maybe we don't quite understand. Sure. And we should not... Write it off as not a thing because I don't understand it, which is, again, very much what this podcast is about, right? Like, sure. Take time to understand stand and, under, you know, get to know other perspectives that mean nothing to you. Sure. Because just because they mean nothing to you doesn't mean they mean nothing across the board. Yep. It's very often, you know, that it's the other way around. And then vice versa, like you mentioned, inner city, mm-hmm. guns represent one thing, you know, violence and crime and the wrong people having them right and so if that's the culture you grow up in you live on you know a certain city block that you kind of live in fear because of guns Mm -hmm. right you've heard them while you're trying to go to bed Mm -hmm. shootings and you've 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 seen drive-bys occur and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing and this is all guns right Mm -hmm. to you um there's that perspective and that culture even Mm -hmm. that should be identified you know and, and embraced on, on your side of things, which I think that you try to do. I'm not, but I'm saying if you're on the, this is my culture, this is my, mm-hmm. my country. You know, I grew up, you know, you're maybe grew up rurally and, and that's, it's like, you're not taking my guns. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. well, consider that there's also people who grew up in that culture mm-hmm. and don't be so arrogant to say, if I was in their shoes, you know, whatever. No, no, you don't know that. Sure. You know, um, and I think it's if just, I like, was in their shoes. Yeah, like if you grew up in the city block okay. where there are shootings every night and I you, gotcha. know, you couldn't go to sleep, whatever. Mm. You know, there's no bravado for that. Mm. You know, you're not going to go mm. out and solve it in one way or another. True. I hear where you're coming from. There's not a source you can pinpoint and go, sure. you know, go down to the local saloon and do a, a shootout, whatever. Mm. It's like, no, it's not like that. The enemy's on every side and not mm. something you can easily identify and just go take out. Because I think there's some of that bravado that comes with. Um, can come from the mm. the gun culture, right? Like, well, because I have my guns, that wouldn't happen. That mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's like, no, that's not accurate. <laughs> you know, no, I hear you, and I I like where you're coming from um, in that context. Um, and my perspective, this is, uh, I believe certain areas. I'll go state by. I'll go certain states. Possibly, here's my experience. Okay, this is what I'll share. I was able to carry in New York State where I came from. But the places that I was legally able to carry were far more limited. Does that make sense? Yes. So basically, I could carry at my own house. You follow me? Yeah. And I think about that, and that comes back to, okay, at that point, it's primarily up to law enforcement 
to protect me in a, a setting, a public setting, I'll call it. You follow me? From my perspective, I believe, you know, when people have the ability to protect themselves in a public environment, like we can in North Carolina. North Carolina has different gun laws that allow individuals to carry in more public places. You follow me? And from my perspective, that makes... Now, I can't go back and look at statistics and compare. and, And ideally... But from my perspective, my philosophy is that makes North Carolina safer in the ability to protect individuals in more public places. You follow me? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, that's how I see it. Um, and I, and that's because, and when I'm looking at New York and that limited, and especially the city that, you know, you weren't allowed to, you know, you know, I look at that and I say, okay, yeah, but that's where legislation isn't going to change it because, and, and I don't want to make it about talking points, but you know, it's like if a person wants to cr- do illegal things, they will find mm-hmm. guns to hurt people mm-hmm. regardless of legislation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So does that make sense? It does, and I, no, it and does I don't want to just be think, a talking point. I'm just, that's my. But that's what this conversation is. Yeah. But I hate, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I do dislike, you know, talking points. And I, yeah. I and that's my. To me, there there's a few things that I would like to see. For, yeah. What uh, is it? The first is a pretty stringent process to get one. Sure. So, like, driving, for instance, right? You have to go through driver's education. Yep. Then you have to do some behind-the-wheel training with someone who's been doing this for years and years and years and knows all the pitfalls of what can happen as a new driver. Sure. And they drive alongside you. They say, now this is a thing that can happen. You Mm want to be watchful for this. They can grab the steering wheel sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. They 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 have have their their own own brake brake pedal. Sure. Um, That's the process. And then, you know... Even in different states, they have different laws for once you get your license. Like, Mm -hmm. you can drive until nighttime, or you Mm -hmm. only can drive X amount of hours at night. You know, like, there's different... Mm -hmm. uh, Because they recognize this age group, as you're beginning to learn, is one of the most common age groups to get in car accidents. So, they're like, you know, let's let's do some common sense driving laws, right? Yeah. Let's make it a little bit safer, as safe as we can. So, Mm -hmm. the process is, you know, it's not flawless. It Mm -hmm. doesn't account for sin. But I'd say it's doing a decent job in sure. terms of I feel good about the process Mia has to go through to get mm-hmm. her driver's license. I feel good about it as a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once she gets her license, you know, that that's an important part of a lot of life, right? Like to be mm-hmm. able to have a license, be able to drive your car, um, that kind of thing. And she has to renew it on a consistent basis, right? Mm-hmm. And if you drive around without your license, you're in pretty big trouble, mm-hmm. right? Those are things to me that I want to see with guns. I want to see that it requires mm-hmm. a training period mm-hmm. from people, who, you know, you know, you can argue, tr- you know, driver's training, they're good trainers or not. But the point mm-hmm. is there, there should be some regulated training. This, mm-hmm. Again, this is how I see it. This is yeah. what I would like to see. Some regulated training that's consistent across, you know, many states, right? Mm-hmm. I would also like to see behind the wheel. I'd like to see you have to spend time with a qualified individual Maybe mm-hmm. even pay for that right, mm-hmm. that you know that opportunity. Sure. Where you go out to shooting range, you know he has a break, whatever that looks mm-hmm. like. I don't know, but where you have that hand on hand to hand training. Sure. And then I would like to see a period, a probationary period, where mm-hmm. you know you have to for fifteen months you have a uh, what do you call it? permit, right? Sure. And you know probably fine within a year you get your license, but it's just a probationary type mm-hmm. thing where if you get an accident or whatever, you know. That kind of thing. Maybe you don't get your license for sure. for this uh, thing. And then once you get your license, you have to renew it and you have mm-hmm. to, you know. And if you don't have a license, mm-hmm. you're in pretty big trouble. Sure. So these are things I would like to see. If we do it with cars, I'd like to see us do it with guns. It's Let a me mock. ask you. Yeah, go ahead. Does that currently exist? I have no idea. Mm. I think, here's what I think. Yeah. I think parts of it exist in certain states. Sure. Um, yep. Going back to your New York thing, mm-hmm. um, 
I don't, I don't know this. I don't know what okay. kind of penalties are supposed to happen as a result of having a gun that you don't have registered. Sure. I'd like them to be very, very, very strong so mm. that if you choose to go the illegal route, you are so scared that mm-hmm. you're going to get caught. That's yeah. what I would like to see. But again, mm. I don't know what the actual penalties are. Sure. That's not an area I've investigated in. I, I honestly don't know. Maybe they are already. That's okay. Yeah. And that's what, that's the reason I ask, because I yeah. do believe, you know, people have, it's, it's part of what you're saying in an education perspective. And now I'm going to share here again from my experience. I grew up in order to receive a hunting license. I had to take a formal class. I'm sure it was very similar in Michigan. Mm-hmm. You know, you could do this. Minnesota. Minnesota, excuse me. Michigan, too. <laughs> yeah, probably Michigan as well, yeah. But. While we're talking about states, maybe Idaho. At too. 12, at 12, <laughs> I was able to attend a hunter's safety class. Yeah. I was not allowed to hunt without that license. So I had to take a class. I had to, you know, it was a number of nights. And and it was the neat part from my perspective. It was taught by our local game warden who I knew, you know, and respected just like a police officer. Yeah. You know, it's like, OK, I don't want to be on this guy's bad list. So I'm going to follow the rules mm-hmm. so that he doesn't have to show up at my house. And then there is what they call a junior license. So you were a junior mm-hmm. hunter from age 12 to 18. Hmm. So when you became an adult, you could get a adult license, which Hmm. meant you could hunt by yourself. Hmm. Otherwise, if you had a junior license, you weren't allowed to Hmm. hunt by yourself. Mm -hmm. You follow me? Yes, sounding very familiar. And that that was hunter's education for me growing up. That's a good proxy, like you you can't hunt by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to speak to the, you know, and and specifically on handguns. Yes, state by state, it varies. In North Carolina, and here again, it's just my experience. I was able to take a, a small group of people with me to a carrying class where that individual, okay, there's, you get the law, you understand where, where you cannot carry, you know, and there's a process called uh, um, Castle Doctrine, you know, how you are able to protect your domain, your domain yeah. you know, it kind of, from my perspective, it, it stems from the Magna Carta, you know, that, that there were rules to be able to protect your domicile, mm-hmm. you know, that, and, and that varies state by state. Well, state by state and region by region to a certain degree. You have to know, you know, your specific area. But that being said, you know, those individuals did have to pay for a class in order to receive a permit to carry. Now, granted, certain states are open carry, certain states are concealed carry. In order to be to get a concealed carry permit, you have to attend that class where there is a hands-on hmm. opportunity to shoot a weapon in front of a trained individual who has that license to be able to teach that class. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Mm-hmm. And and that's in North Carolina. Hmm. You know, I mean, and you know, in other states have re- reciprocity mm-hmm. you know the ability to accept permits from other states but yeah so i mean and, and that's where i'm at some of that legislation i don't know you know protocol mm-hmm. is in place yeah that's amazing i, and, I honestly and, wouldn't know i mean that's you know and, and that's and that's where that's 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 good and that's where I come. I bet you know, I'm not the only one. Exactly. Right? Right. And that and that's where I'm at. I um yeah. The fear part. <laughs> don't take this. I'm not. I'm not cavalier. I don't even want to come across as cavalier, because there's a sensitivity towards you know people being hurt, and yet I'm also recognizing that at times this fear. Can't fear can be as hurtful, yeah, in yeah. 
in some ways. And it basically, I'm looking in, in here, it's part of what you and I desire to do. We have these conversations because mm-hmm. we're looking at it from a thousand feet. And sometimes we need to talk with somebody who's been there mm-hmm. or, you know, had this experience mm-hmm. in order to change our thousand foot perspective. Right. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the talking points only make that worse, right? They only From make, my perspective, yes. Uh, my thousand foot perspective feel like it's two feet away. Yes. When in uh, reality, it's still 998 feet away. Yes. Right? Like, they might have given you a small piece of information that adds to the subject, but it certainly doesn't get you to the point where you understand it fully. Yes. But they, they yeah. Yeah, and it, And it's interesting, and it, I'm not trying to get off the subject either, but I think, you know, when we're able to go beyond the talking points, because it, it's interesting we're talking about mental health, I have to renew my mental health license every year i have to mm-hmm. get so much education mm-hmm. to maintain that license as yeah. well you follow as me as a therapist as a therapist not to, not to keep your mental health <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe it's counter too i don't know but no seriously i have to do that and it was interesting cuz um we had um at one you know you're in a room and there was a individual um who was talking about inner city um dynamics you know, from a from a race relations perspective. And I just happened to, you know, be sitting next to a black fellow that I I knew of. I didn't know him personally. But in that forum, I can remember, you know, asking him, it's like, okay, I grew up with a well, just like I shared with, you know, my my game warden and you know, and I had pull the first handgun I shot was a police officer's handgun Hmm. who, you know, came... You stole it from him? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) This is, I mean, I'll be, this is, this is a, this is a story, you you know, some truth is stranger than fiction, you know, Um, because he had his, you know, 357 Magnum. He came to our, you know, 22 shooting club. We had 4-H, you know, you were able to shoot 22s at targets. Okay. He showed up there and, you know, he had his gun and he shot it and he says, anybody else want to shoot it? You know, that kind of thing. And I said, sure, I'd love to. And I didn't have any real hearing protection to speak of. So he gave me two rounds to stick in my ears <laughs> as, as hearing protection. Okay. You know, I'm just thinking about this how that was. the would... equivalent of the mom's like arm as a seatbelt. Yes. Like, swinging out. You know. Yes. You know, to where, you know, this was a police officer, yeah. you know. Well, yeah, he yeah. knew that, you know, right. in, unless that round came into contact with the primer, it's not going to go off all by itself. You know, and even even stick these bullets in your head. <laughs> yeah, stick them in your ears. It'll protect your ears. And it even you know it even brings me back to your cars and seat belts. As long as I've been alive, every gun has a safety on it. Yeah. And handguns are being made more and more safe because there's like three different safety mechanisms that have to be engaged to be able to discharge a, a handgun. You know, so but. I can remember sitting next to this guy. Sorry, long story short, but... It's a good one, though. It's sitting next With to this guy. the bullets in your ears. Exactly. Okay. And I asked him, I said, help me understand. Because we were talking about hoods and, you know, and kids having their hoods up and, you know, and I asked him, I said, based on my perspective, help me understand why a black teenager will tend to run from a police officer. Hmm. You follow me? And I asked him that question. And so this is like 15-year-old Mark? No, no, no. I'm I'm sorry. I I digressed on the the pistol story. I'm back to the mental health license story oh, where I'm sitting okay. next to cuz cuz I'm talking you, you about You don't have my, bullets in your ear at this right, point. Cuz I'm talking about my experience <laughs> growing up. I had a close relationship with the police yes. officers around yes. me. Gotcha. Okay, so yeah. one time, there's too many stories, but I'm not, yeah, I'm staying to the mental health one. Uh, yes. Mental health training. I, I'm at the, the training, with the licensure, guy next to you. To asked him, guy, you said. yep, happens to be a black guy, I asked him, help me understand 
Mm. What makes a black teen run from a police officer? So the hoods, talking about the hoods, that was in that training event. Yes, in okay. that training again. Event. I was still on the shooting range. It's okay. I, I, there's, like you say, there's a lot more stories, but <laughs> it would be completely off our subject for the moment. So I'm just really trying to work on yeah. this. Okay, you're doing great. Well, no, I, I realize I made it a little confusing. That's right. that's, that's, and that's I'll take I responsibility. Yeah, that's right. You're the interviewer in this one. <laughs> come on, Justin. I'm failing. <laughs> no, you're doing great. I think but you broke the line a long time ago. <laughs> I asked him why. You know, help me understand that as a black individual and caring about, you know, teenagers. And I can remember his response to me was, help me understand why the white police officer feels it's so important to chase that teenager. You follow me? And in that moment, I felt a little bit defeated because I wasn't trying to pin anyone down. I w- and and yet, from my perspective, I can understand, you know, a police officer has a duty to protect. And is there a point where, yeah, I don't have to chase? Probably. And I would I would err on the side that, you know, police officers exercise whether to enter into that chase or not all the time. And yet they have a sworn duty to protect, uphold and protect. And so I wasn't, I just recognized based on body language that that's where that discussion was going to stop in that moment. And I'm looking at it, I'm feeling defeated, I'm recognizing a sense of defensiveness Mm -hmm. on that individual and we're two mental health professionals which made that very sad to me. Hmm. And I mean, but wow, what a great response on his part. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. wasn't I wasn't at all upset at him for that response. And yet it wasn't I, maybe it's the fact that it wasn't the direct answer I was looking for, a question with a question, you know. But I can respect at that point, that's where our differences came together. You follow yeah. me? My cultural background was so different mm. that it's like, mm. if that police officer and, you know, mm-hmm. having neighbors who were yeah, police like officers. Yeah, like your culture, that's, this goes right back to the beginning of the discussion, which is your culture with guns. Yeah also applies to your culture with law enforcement yep you know you, like you said your game board was who taught you how to shoot a gun and yep. police officer gave you bullets to shove in your ear when he let you shoot his gun and rides to like, school when i missed the bus oh yeah so i mean your perspective <laughs> i mean this gets into the other another polarizing topic of racism which mm-hmm. you know will be hard to have without someone who's of a different race in the room but sure um but it's man there is such a different perspective. It's like the guy who grew up on the city, you know, corner mm-hmm. and hearing shootings at night, couldn't fall asleep, you know, maybe a few bullets, stray bullets landed in their mm-hmm. house, that kind of thing. Um, it's that polarizing of a viewpoint maybe worse, right? Like to grow up in the inner city as a black child mm-hmm. versus growing up in the rural country as a white child. Yeah. And I would love for there have to been a lot more room for that conversation between you and he because I feel like that would have been incredible. Yeah. But I think likely in whatever scenario you weren't in, it wasn't going to be, there wasn't room for that really. Yeah. In that moment. And like you say, that's not to say that I haven't had other race related discussions, you know, since then. And I think, you know, even in that topic, there's a tremendous amount of polarity Hmm. You know, of, you know, that whole aspect of, you know, white privilege, you know, that kind of thing. I think, you know, even within the black community, there's a tremendous diversity on that perspective, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, and it, it's it's interesting that police officer that allowed me to shoot his weapon was also a black hmm. individual. Hmm. And I can still picture his kids going riding on the bus with hmm. me, you know, that kind of thing to where, you know. I would even dare say those black individuals in my community would have a very different cultural perspective 
than inner city or, you know, or, or white inner city, that kind of thing. Hey, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like how I see it, please do all the things that podcasts tell you to do. Subscribe, rate, review, follow us, uh, and or talk nicely about us on social media. If you want to reach out, the email is us at howiseeit.click. Yep, I said dot click, as in dot C-L-I-C-K. Please tell your friends about this show, and we'll see you on the next one.